Hey, welcome to the Living Box Free Podcast. I'm Ashleen Seitz. And I'm Becky Ford. And this podcast is brought to you by our coaching and consulting company, On The Rise Group. And we are here to talk about personal and professional growth. Yeah. If you enjoy this episode, don't forget to subscribe and share. And let's dive into this week's topic. Hello, and welcome back to Living Box Free. I'm Ashleen Seitz, and today we are talking about an interesting art obstacle. I almost said article. Well, I mean, maybe we'll talk about an article. Who knows? You never know with us. Uh, but we're talking about the obstacle of doing the right thing. And I'm not even going to unpack that because I think it's going to be really fascinating. So we'll get into it in a minute. Uh, joining me today is my friend, Brooke Carnes, former uh, co-worker, but also just friend. And I'm excited to chat with her. So uh, our podcast is presented by On The Rise Group, our coaching and consulting company. So we always start with the question, what's on the rise for you this week? So Brooke, the hardest question of the entire podcast, what's on the rise for you this week? Well, hopefully the temperature. I'm going to be really honest. I'm a school uh-huh. and um, it's May 1st, so I'm a little begrudging the uh, decline in temperature because... Sitting on a tin can in 40 degree rainy weather is the worst. And I thought we were <laughs> so I'm I'm already looking forward. I try to stay in the moment as much as possible because otherwise it can lead me down a really bad path. But yeah, by this weekend it's supposed to be 80. So I am kind of looking ahead to that. Okay. All right. Yeah. I didn't even realize it was supposed to get that warm. Oh yeah. That soon. Okay. Yeah. Exciting. Yeah. We'll go watch softball games and just enjoy the beautiful weather. Yeah. Sounds delightful. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, For me on the rise this week, or I guess really just mostly over the weekend, um, decorating, house decorating, which is unusual for me. I think I told the um, podcast listeners last week or a couple weeks ago about how I finally started doing some landscaping, um, just deciding, okay, I'm here in this house, even though it's a rental and I don't love it. I decided I got a bloom where I planted <laughs> and started doing some landscaping. So this weekend's project was, uh, my roommate got some new bookshelves and, uh, she was like, do you, I'm just going to slap some stuff on there or do you want to handle it and organize it? And I was like, I want to handle it and organize it. So turned it into this whole, it literally, Brooke, I started, I did a couple hours of it on Friday night, maybe an hour of it on Friday night. And then yesterday, got slept in, got up, had some coffee, walked around the yard a little bit. At around 1030, I was like, okay. I'm going to tackle this shelf project. 10.30 last night was when I was like, I should probably stop. My <laughs> word. <laughs> it took uh, three trips to Homespun store, which have you ever been there? No. Oh, it's a great uh, local store on Mass Ave here downtown. And they have amazing gifts and it's all local artists. And it's really, it's a cool spot. So three nice. stops there. A stop at Silver in the City. Have you been there? Nope. Oh, gosh. Okay, there's one of those in Carmel. Okay. You can go to that one. Um, that one also has really great gifts and just awesome jewelry, but also great gifts and stuff. Um, and then a trip to Ikea. So it it took a lot, but I'm pretty stoked about the shelves and how they look. Mm-hmm. So. so it's like purpose is not just for like 
holding books. It's like a decorative right. shelf. Like, I didn't know if you were alphabetizing everything or putting them in, you know, chronal or if, like it would be like going to the library, you know? And so there was like an, yeah, but this was more of the, you had a vision that unfolded as it went. Yes. And you, so when you went back to the four yep. three times, was it like, oh, I remember I saw this. I think I need that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, we, uh, my roommate and I went once and I saw something. I was like, I think I want this, but I'm not sure. And then she just got really excited about this paper giraffe. Okay. Like, I don't know. I'm not sure, but uh, she got excited about it. But then I was like, I don't, I'm not sold on this print that I want for this shelf. I had one shelf that I was like, I want this to look a very specific way. And so we went down to Silver in the City to look. And then I was like, no, you know, I think I want the print back at Homespun. So we went back to Homespun and then we came home and then we were like, oh, really? We should probably just do a run to Ikea now. Mm -hmm. And so as we were getting in the car to run to Ikea, she was like, can I go back and get the giraffe? And I was like, (laughs) sure. Why not? Right. (laughs) You don't need to ask me for permission. Like, yeah, you want to go get a giraffe? Let's get a giraffe. It's like a tiny little like three inch tall, like you assemble it out of paper. I don't know. I'll try to, I'll try to put some photos up on, on Instagram for this. So yeah. Very cool. (laughs) Whole experience. Anyway, that's what's on the rise for me this week apparently is decorating, but Brooke, so excited. Um, yeah, it's taken us a couple weeks to get this, this podcast recorded. The first one I slept through. (laughs) So sorry about that. Wow. Um, and I'm just excited to talk to you. So why don't you tell us a little bit about you? Okay. Well, I am a Chicago suburb native, so big Cubs and Bears fans here in Indy, but that's okay. Um, win or lose fans, I'm I'm a diehard. So um, that happens when you're born and raised by a Chicago Cubs and Bears fan. Like you just learn you have to root for them no matter what. Um and uh, I'm a single mom, um, a late in life mom. So I'm uh, in my late 40s um, and have a nine-year-old and a 12-year-old. And people have actually asked me if my nine-year-old is my granddaughter. And by people, really, by people, I mean middle schoolers um, that I drive to school asked me when I, <laughs> he was my granddaughter. And I asked the young if he really wanted to ride home that day or not. But yeah, I did drive <laughs> Um, because I'm bound to, but, um, (laughs) but, um, and, uh, like, uh, you had mentioned, we used to work together. Um, I had worked in children's ministry for, um, almost seven years and life happened and unexpected things, which we'll get more into detail about that. But, um, I left my full-time job and, uh, decided to become a school bus driver for the schools that my girls go to so that I would have more flexibility and availability to help them navigate some of the big things that we just have going on in life right now. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And my understanding is you like it. I had no idea I would love it so much. (laughs) It is so much fun. First of all, like driving kids alone is, is fun. I drive, I'm lucky enough to drive the elementary kids from my own neighborhood so I know most of them and I feel like a celebrity or, I mean, like little kids still love you no matter what. Yeah. And yeah, walk by, you know, I'll be outside on the weekend 
or, you know, like in the summer, they remember me from the pool because I'm the snack lady. Um, <laughs> Which is awesome. They walk by and they're like, oh my gosh, it's my bus driver. And they'll like, can I with your kids? And I mean, we yeah. have gardeners coming down to draw chalk on our driveway. And I love that. I want my house to be a yeah. people love to come and feel safe. And um, I, you know, love the high fives. And I have this sweet little boy who on Fridays goes, I need a hug for the weekend. And I'm like, oh my gosh, yes. I, but you can have one now. Um, so yeah, fun. you get to like be a part, like a really important part of their lives in a really small amount of time. And so in a way, it's still like doing children's ministry for me. Yeah. Middle schoolers are a whole different ball game. Like they're just an interesting age um, where uh, they love to push the um, limits all the time. And I am a really, uh, you know, major on the major, minor on the minor is like my rule of thumb. So I can be really easy going, but if you like cross the line and refuse to get back on the right side, you and I are going to probably have some words. I actually had to, t- <laughs> I had to turn around and say, I am not in the mood. Shut it down. And he looked at me seriously and he was like, okay, so maybe a little bit more of a, um, uh, stern with the middle schoolers, but once you get them, get the structure, um, you know, established, then I think I've only been doing this with, with, um, my CDL since January, I started working towards my CDL in November. So these kids were new to me in actually, I started a different route when this one became available in my neighborhood. I took it. So only since the beginning of March. So we've made a lot of segue or, uh, yeah. So I can't complain. And then the, the people, they're so nice. Um, I, I love the other drivers from the elementary school that I drive for. Drive for they, uh, we all sit either on somebody's bus or outside every day. We get there like twenty minutes before the kids get out of school, and we all just talk yeah. and laugh, and we belong to. We have a group text with all of us. And just... <laughs> cool. Yeah. All right. Well, I, yeah, I'm excited to talk about the things in your life right now. Um, when I originally reached out to you, it was for one topic. And then you were like, well, actually, let me tell you, which is kind of, it's a similar topic, but um, yeah, really excited about this. So what what happened? Tell us what this unexpected obstacle was or what did you expect to happen? Like what, give us some background here. Okay, so um, I'm going to give a little bit background, more background than what you what you would need because you already know a lot of my history. But um, in 2017, actually like six years ago, yeah, wow, six years ago today, um, I made a really difficult decision to ask my then husband to leave. He had been making some poor and unsafe choices for himself. Um, and I'm not going to get into details about his unsafe choices other than the fact that if he couldn't make safe choices for himself, he wasn't able to make them for our young children when he was caring for them um, and prioritize our family. And I felt like I had just had enough. And so I uh, made the decision to separate and then officially divorced him um, in November of that year. Um, and I believe that those, those that's an my life has been a um, 
step to step to step of doing the right thing, even when it's hard. Um, and that was probably the first right thing I did that was really hard. My kids were young, you know, six years ago. Um, we're talking about a three-year-old and a six-year-old, and I didn't want them to not have their dad actively involved in their life, but I also wanted them to have a healthy dad. Um, yeah. <clears throat> so I needed him to prioritize that for a while. And it was hard. Um, the first, I would say, year and a half of our divorce was it did not bring out the best in either one of us. Um, and I got to a point where I just realized how it was affecting our girls, that we couldn't figure out how to co-parent and um, uh, lovingly raise our girls together while not in um, one house. So I changed um, the way I thought about it, um, which was the next right step. Um, mm. it was really hard. And that was to look at us as one family with two households. Um, and when I changed my mindset about that, it actually allowed for some healing to happen in our family and in the relationship. And their dad was getting a lot of the help that he needed. Um, and so we had become, um, a very countercultural family. We went, mm to dinner together weekly um, so that we could all still have family dinners. We were still attending the same church together. Um, <clears throat> and uh, we went on family vacation together with um, other families that had been part of our friend circle. Um, yeah. So a lot of hard work. Um, unfortunately, um, my ex-husband didn't continue to do the hard work on his own and make the choices that he needed to make um, to prioritize being healthy so that he could yeah. have an active role in their girls' lives. So yeah, October of 2021, we were on one of those family vacations and um, our youngest was playing on his phone and I happened to see an app on his phone that was one of the I had to set some boundaries um, and put some things in place to make sure that the girls um, didn't see anything that they shouldn't um, or communicate with anyone that they shouldn't. And um, I saw one of the th one of the apps that we had agreed was not allowed on his phone and yeah. right next to a game she was playing. So one click away from being an inappropriate experience for yeah. our child. And I, um, after some tough conversations and a little bit of digging, I found out that he had basically um, broke the law. Um, choices that, in my opinion, he broke the law. Definitely made some questionable choices. And um, again, this was probably the hardest thing that I ever had to do. I reported it to the local authorities. Um, and then over a process of 18 months, um, I got sole custody of the girls that year in 2021. Um, and then he was arrested for after the investigation on, on August 1st of 22 and then sentenced in March of this year to 11 years in prison for the things that I had had to report. Um, so yeah, none of that is what I expected when, yeah. when marry yeah. somebody and choose to have children with them. I went into it thinking I was going to grow old with a partner and have somebody to 
um, raise kids with. But then we got divorced. But I still thought I can have a partner. And, and I worked hard to get there uh, yeah. so that I would have help <laughs> raising our girls, not just financially, but emotionally. Um, and uh, that is not where we're at. They will be adults yeah. the, when he is released. So the next yeah. several years are all on me. Yeah. That's a lot. Yeah. Thanks for sharing all of that. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, what I, you can even pick a point in this story to, to start talking about if you want, cause there, yeah, there's a lot to happen. I do think, I mean, the most recent events are that probably for me would have been the most challenging, but I guess it depends on how it felt at the time. So uh, how, how did it feel in that moment of making the choice either to d- divorce him or to report him to the authorities? Like that is a tough choice. Yeah. How did it feel? Um, so I'll, I'll stick with the most recent event just because I feel like the other ones were little stepping stones that helped me get the mm. Like I was like, okay, you've done hard things before and this is how they worked out or so yeah. I believed that it was the right thing to do. Um, the hardest part as so there was um a third party involved. Um I mean I guess uh well I will share um this detail. Um he had requested inappropriate pictures. And I'm sharing this because you could Google it and see an article about it. It's not like yeah. not been in the news. Um but he had requested inappropriate pictures from some from a male he had met online. Um, and that male um, took inappropriate pictures of a young girl um, and sent them to Tony um, in a text thread that I had read. I did not see any of those photos, but there were comments that alluded to the fact that there had been some and verification that they'd been deleted. And so um, I took screenshots of it. And that's what I sent to um, the no- to the Noblesville Police Department. Um, so there was an innocent child involved. And at the time, my oldest was 11. And I kept thinking, how, what would I want somebody to do if it was my child involved in this? And me as a mom was completely unaware of what was happening. Yeah. And... Um, I would want somebody to advocate for her. So um, that was the first brave step um, that I had to take in a very long process, watching my girls experience pain was so hard that I had to remind myself that I kept somebody else from experiencing even greater pain. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's a that's a lot and a lot to have to remind yourself. Yeah. What did that I mean, man. Yeah, how did you process that? I guess is my next question. Um, well, I'll be honest, at first it was fueled by anger. I mean, yeah. I was uh I thought we had gotten past the um disappointment and I thought he he had gotten to a point in his life where he could prioritize his family and his girls. The sad thing is, is that we all have um, an area of brokenness, at least one, some yeah, small of course. areas of brokenness. Um, 
And we all um, can seek out resources and tools to work through um, our areas of brokenness and choose to not allow them to lead our lives. Um, yeah. Tony, unfortunately, wasn't able to fully do that. And he, I believe he needed something to happen that would literally make him want nothing more than to change his life. Um, and that's what I prayed for for years when we were married and that, you know, something would happen that would make him realize that he could not continue to live his life that way. So I think while we were going through this process, even though there was anger at first and then guilt, it's almost like, you know, you go through stages of grief, um, guilt for the pain he was experiencing and even more so for the pain my girls were experiencing, I reminded myself that his brokenness was what got us here. I didn't make the choices um, to get us there. So I I had to keep reminding myself that, you know, our choices have consequences. And if I were making choices that put other people in unsafe situations, I would probably not in the moment like it, but I would want somebody to intervene. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, It's hard. I was going to ask you, how do you know? How did you know it was the right thing to do? And maybe I could ask you about, you know, the divorce. But I I guess what I'm hearing from you is that you were seeing the pain that could be caused if you didn't make the choice. Is that is that how you knew it was the right thing to do? Yeah, I, I think my biggest fear was that if I did not take steps to make sure he was not endangering other people, it could escalate and get worse. And it might not have been with that specific individual, you know, that he received photos of. It could have been, you know, like with the next person, he could have asked, well, would you allow this? Or, you know, how would you feel about that? Yeah. Um, You know, so I had to stop him from really coming back from something even worse that he, or, you know, something that he couldn't come back from doing something that he couldn't come back from. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, this is a lot to process. <laughs> There's a lot like how, how has it impacted your life now? I mean, uh, yeah, this has to have had a pretty big impact on your girls on daily life. I mean, you said now you're a solo parent. So yeah. tell me about that. So, well, the first, it has felt like a series of consequences, I'll be honest, undeserved consequences. Um, You know, I watched the girls, they went from being able to have overnights, a couple nights a week with their dads, their dad to having supervised visits with their dad or, and when, you know, when things got hard with arranging supervisors and stuff, he just stopped trying. And so their relationship, um, has changed drastically, especially my oldest. I had to share specific things, more specific things with her. And she asked some very um, pointed questions when this was all unfolding at the beginning um, after the arrest. And I was not going to lie to her. She already knew she couldn't trust her dad. I wasn't going to make her feel she couldn't trust me. Yeah. So, but given the fact that their ages were so similar, I felt like I had to be honest with her about some safety things 
you know, and I had to buy her phone and I, you know, I, um, and she tends to be a little bit of a worry wart. So I didn't want her to not be informed. She, she doesn't like having question marks. So, um, but those consequences were certainly undeserved for them. And then, um, there was a lot of denial on his part because again, right now it's just, I think this is what was in between the lines, but I didn't know for certain. So he yeah. A lot of denial and gaslighting and, you know, he's trying to make me think that I was crazy and unfair. He fought me tooth and nail um, up till an hour before our hearing for sole custody. Um, so everything felt like a fight. Um, and it was, I was just exhausted. I, I yeah. had to um, contend for everything. And um, there was so little left at the end of each day for my girls that um, it just uh, became hard to balance all the things. I felt like I was showing up a hundred percent for my friends or for my job and, you know, working in ministry, you are caring for hundreds of people. um, And I felt like there were certain, certain things that I couldn't drop the ball on because people were depending on me. And my girls were the ones who needed me the most, like just emotionally and mentally, they were suffering so badly. And I was starting to see, um, Gia was having panic attacks. Addie was, and I honestly, I'm, you're going to think that's what all moms say. I have no idea where she learned it, but she was starting to swear like a truck driver, which Mm -hmm. I feel about now, but man, (laughs) when you hear your child yell the F word at somebody, in public, you're like, that is not my child. I don't know who she is. <laughs> um, but she has all this anger that she that is she can't direct towards her dad. Um, so she she directs it towards the closest targets, mostly her sister and myself. Um, all of that was unfair. Um, yeah. So the biggest consequence felt like having to leave a job that I loved because, bless you. Thank you. I was empty. I was running on empty and relationships were starting to suffer. And I didn't feel like it was actually bringing me joy to try and balance everything. Well, I can't not be a mom. <laughs> right. I had to. Don't have that option. Um, And that was in October. And our lives have just, yeah, they've been a little bit harder um, in some ways. But in so many ways, we've been able to start really healing from a lot. Mm. But of course, throughout this whole process, there have been um, moments where we start to like, okay, we're, we're adjusting. We're starting to find a rhythm again. Things are going pretty good. And then the next thing happens. Right. So the last thing um, being that Tony went to court and was finally sentenced and honestly, he went in thinking he was going to get work release. He was not being very realistic. Yeah. And so I had to be honest with the girls and say, no, look, daddy's probably not going to be able to see you guys for a while. I don't know that I had 11 years planned in my brain. Yeah. Not that I think it was a really interesting experience. I went to the court to hear mm-hmm. Um and I was driving home alone and I had time to process everything. I'm all over the place. So I apologize. 
You're okay. Um, but it was really in- interesting because first I felt my heart broke for him. Yeah. Because I I married a good man who's mm-hmm. very broken. Um, and I truly believed, and I still do, I believe God can do anything with a willing heart. Um, but you have to be able to to do the walk through the pain and the suffering and all the hard things, you know, it's like chiseling away at all that brokenness is not, it's not going to tickle. So, um, I, I just don't know what it's going to take for Tony to be willing to be chiseled away. Um, but I still hope and pray that that is what he chooses to do. And maybe this is what, what that took, but that didn't mean I didn't care or have sorrow for, for what was happening in his life. Again, the choices he made led him there, not the fact that I reported him. So I had to continue to remind myself that. Yeah. So that I didn't yeah. feel guilty about the consequences. Um, but then I also felt like vindicated after mm. gaslighting and being told I was crazy and blowing things out of proportion. When you sit there and you like, here, like I read the probable cause affidavit and I actually had factual evidence of what had happened, which was even much more than I had assumed when I originally took those screenshots. Um, and then having him receive a consequence that was not just work release. I, I, yeah. I said, if, if he gets a slap on the wrist, I just don't believe in our judicial system anymore. You know? Yeah. Um, I felt vindicated. Um, and I'm learning that you can feel those, all those things simultaneously. And it's mm. um, then the next hard thing, having to tell my kids. Yeah. 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 I mean, what I'm hearing from you is that crazy mix of emotions of doing the right thing like there were mixed emotions even in making that choice. And then there are mixed emotions during the consequences of someone you care about and then your girls that you care about and then people you don't know that you care about. And, but also this feeling of like, yeah, finally (laughs) um, this is happening. And yeah, that's just so complicated. And I really appreciate you sharing that complication because I think we frequently fall into this pattern of like, oh, this is, this feels one way and that's what makes it right. Or that's how I know it's right. Um, because it it feels like the right choice. Well, it can also feel like the wrong choice Mm -hmm. in so many other ways. And so I think that's really important to talk about. And, um, as I'm kind of wrapping that up, what I'd love to hear from you, what advice would you give other people? What would you say if they're in, I mean, it could be any situation in which there's a difficult right choice to be made. What advice would you give them? Um, you know, I tell, I, I, it helped that I had told my kids many times, we do the right thing, even when it's hard or we're worried about consequences for ourselves. So one piece of advice would be listen to the wisdom you share with others. I mean, a lot of times when we're listening to what other people are going through, it's really easy for us to, to say something wise for them to hear, but we're going through it. It's not always easy for us to discern that same wisdom. So, um, 
I would just rem- remind them to, to think about the wisdom they would impart on others. But also, you know, I have a small group of trusted friends who walked alongside the entire process with me. Um, and having, you know, I grew up being told other people don't need to know about your junk and mm-hmm. you um, keep it all to yourself, you know, yeah. and that is not how we were created to exist. You know, like darkness festers where we don't shine light. So I would encourage you to make sure you have trusted friends when whatever you're going through, it is not something you should keep to yourself. Even if you think, yeah. I mean, I was, I remember I used to think, what will other people think of Tony? You know, like, well, I had to not, Oh, Thank you, Siri. I love when he just it's like that. Yeah. He doesn't understand, but hopefully you and your audience do. <laughs> but um, I think that um, it can be really difficult to always want to do the right thing because sometimes it's easiest to do the easy thing. That's yeah. Um, And I just would remind people to think about like, what would like, think this through, what would the consequences look like? You know, when it came to my girls, ultimately I made hard decisions because I wanted them to have the best version of their dad possible. Um, Yeah. You know, if it weren't for my girls, it would have been really easy for me to just wipe my hands of all this years ago and not have and be here where I am today. But when you have other people looking at you or holding you accountable, you do the hard thing. And you don't have to – it's not my job to worry about what other people think of him and his choices. It's my job to do the right thing and be able to go to bed at night knowing that I did what I could with what I had. Yeah. Yeah. I think those are really – Wise words. And I love that. Uh, think about the wisdom you'd share with others. I love that. I think a lot of times we're like, yeah, you need to get out of that situation or you need to do something about this or whatever. But then when it comes to us, we, we're going, uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. How do I know? Uh, and then if you were looking at it from the outside and it was someone you'd care about or care about it, like it just, there would be no, there would be no other decision to make. Yeah. And I think that is that's just how we work. That's how we think. Yeah. Um, so I love that piece. Uh, man, Brooke, thank you for sharing your story. Thank you for being brave. I mean, I think that's what it really comes down to is that you made the brave, hard decision because you knew it was right. And I just want to recognize that and say thank you because I don't know that other people will say that, but thank you for making the choice for someone else, someone you didn't even know. Um, and for your girls, I'm, I'm, it's, it's impressive to, that you did that. And I know that's not why you're here to talk about it. You're not like, yes, I am impressive. Thank you. Um, so I just wanted to say, say that, and I appreciate you sharing your story with us and man, that's a lot. Well, thank you. You got a lot going on, friend. Yeah, well, you know, I used to get mad when people said, God doesn't give you what you can't handle. And I'd be like, okay, Lord, seriously. But I actually kind of, because it just, one other thing that I would tell people is I remind myself all the time that a year from now, my life will look nothing like it looks today. Mm. 
So this, that means that this is a moment. This is a blip. And I told my girls that when this was happening, I'm like, girls, this is a blip. We're going to get through this blip and it'll be okay. And then we have another blip. I mean, life is just a series of blips. Let's, let's just not worry about what life is going to be like in a year and trust that it's just not going to be what it is today. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's a great perspective. Well, I hope in a year, so much of this makes sense and feels so much better. And there's less of that um, convoluted, complicated emotion along with it. Anything else you'd like to throw in before we close? No. I feel like this was a fascinating episode. Well, thank you so much for having me. I really do appreciate it. Um, You know, I don't really think my life is all that interesting, but, um, (laughs) but then again, it, it's like one of those, like, that only happens to other people kind of. Right. And now I am other people. I'm just like a normal person that something unexpected happened to. And um, yeah, life doesn't stop when unexpected things happen. That's for sure. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, thank you so much for talking with us and box breakers. We will be back next week with a wrap up episode for this series, the obstacle course series. Excited about that. Uh, I think it'll be Corey Tyndall will be back with us and I'm excited about that too. All right. Thanks so much for being here. Thank you, Brooke. And we'll talk to you next time. Mm